Carolina goes from the southernmost reaches of the ACC on Saturday to one of the northernmost reaches of the ACC today. Are the Road Tar Heels disciplined enough to decimate Syracuse for a second time? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to welcome you in to get your Tar Heels content every day. Thank you for making us your first watch or listen, particularly you everydayers. We want to welcome you as always. But even if you're a guest or a newcomer or whatever, Welcome into you as well. We'd love for you to be a bigger part of this community. Come join the Locked On Tar Heels Discord channel where it's going all the time, especially tonight as we have a live game thread going on. Make sure you tune in. The link is in the show notes for that. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. New AP poll came out on Monday. Carolina falls down to seventh. Uh, didn't fall as much the week before after the Georgia Tech loss, but you combine that with the home loss to Clemson and the Tar Heels fall a little bit. It is Tuesday, and that means it is time for Trivia Tuesday. Carolina plays Syracuse tonight. That's what we're talking about mostly on the show today. And my trivia is Syracuse related. You ready? What are the most points an individual has scored against Syracuse in a single game? So the most points Tar Heel has scored against Syracuse in a single game. Same question for rebounds. Same question for assists. We're going to have the answer to that at the end of the show. As you're thinking about it, go ahead and put it into the, you know, write it down, put it into the comments if you're watching on YouTube. The hint for you is that all three of these have occurred within the last decade. Okay, let's get right into talking about this game. Against Syracuse on the road tonight, Tuesday. This, to me, is a really dangerous game, and here's why. The potential pitfall in this game, if we're looking for one, is because of the result of the first time these two teams played. Remember, Carolina beat Syracuse 103 to 67. That is a big old fat 36 point stomping. But here's the problem with that even though you know it is a conference opponent that is playing with Division I level players, some of whom, Judah Mintz in particular, are phenomenal basketball players. There's still this thing that creeps into your brain when you're an athlete of, oh, we obliterated this team last time we played them. And so there's the temptation to let off the gas even so slightly. There's the temptation to prepare just a little bit less intensity, just a degree or two, a percentage or two. There is this potential of letting down just even so slightly because of how you know, how big the margin was last time. And as soon as the Tar Heels do that, as soon as they do it on the road, you're done. You'll lose this basketball game. So Carolina is going to have to stay away from that pitfall. Do not fall into it. Make this a W that they are very, very focused on. Another part of it, as I said, is that it is a road game. And so you got to, you got to start to look at, Hey, what kind of factor does the road, does the travel play in this game? Because keep in mind, um, Carolina, again, I just said it earlier, 
was at Miami on Saturday, went home, and then yesterday, Monday, flew back up to Syracuse. So the southernmost ACC to one of the northernmost ACC schools, all within, what, four, th- three days of each other in terms of actually flying, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, and so Car- Carolina's got to be so dialed in on this, but there is that potential for weary legs. Like, I, I tell you, travel, it really does get into you. And I know there's the common refrain of, but these are resilient young men. They'll be fine. They will be fine. But it doesn't, it's not not a factor, the travel. But here's the good news, if I can share it with you. Keep in mind that after this game, Carolina has six remaining regular season games. And the good news is that four of them are at home, Virginia Tech on Saturday. And then after going to Virginia in a week, then you get Miami, NC State and Notre Dame home, home, home before going to Duke. So you get those four home games and then you get just two of two final of those six on the road. So after this game, the the long road games are done and over because your longest remaining road trip is the less than 200 miles trip to Charlottesville to play Virginia. And that comes after a week off. Your final road trip is the shortest road trip of your entire season. You're going to Durham, North Carolina. And so much better spot for the Tar Heels, especially after this back-to-back really long road trip in completely opposite directions. Um, and, and you think about that, and you look at Duke, on the other hand, and what they've got to do. They've still got a three-game road stretch, similar to what the Tar Heels had at the beginning of ACC play. They've got to go to Florida State on Saturday home, then down to Miami on Wednesday. I'm imagining they're going to come home, but maybe not. What do I know about their schedule? It's just far enough apart that it would make sense that they'll come back to Durham. And then they got to go to Wake Forest next Saturday. Now, I know that's you know a shorter trip, but it is a third straight road game for Duke. So Carolina has already blown past that, and you got to feel good about, you know, you've got tough competition down the stretch here, including tonight at Syracuse. But after this game, it's much more doable from a travel standpoint. But I say all that to say none of that matters if you don't finish off the crazy road stuff tonight at Syracuse. So lock in, buckle down, and make it happen. Now, one other thing I want to talk about as we prepare for this game before we go to our Four Corners preview is there was a great question on Monday's um, live chat in the the premiere on YouTube of the show at self asked me this question. Isaac, how close do you think Saturday's version of Elliot Cadeau is to what he needs to be in the NCAA tournament? I think this is a phenomenal question of looking at Elliot's growth and, and progression and where he's at versus where he needs to be come NCAA tournament time. My very succinct answer was, it's close. It's really close. And, and my little bit bigger answer, and then we'll go to even further big answer, is I would take that version of Elliot Cadeau with three fewer turnovers. That's the Elliot Cadeau I need to see in the NCAA tournament. He had um, eight assists in that game, had five turnovers. But if you cut three of those out, that's eight assists, two turnovers, four to one assist to turnover ratio. I will take that from my lead guard any day. I mean, obviously, you'd always love to have zero turnovers, but four to one assists. Uh, to turnover ratio, 100%. Now, what's great about that is Elliot himself will be the first, and in fact, was the first post-game on Saturday to say what I just said. He said, quote, he was talking to um, 
um, Tar Heel Tribune here, and he said, when I look at this game, I just see the five turnovers. I see a couple where we really needed to score, and that's what I see. I don't even really see the 19 points, which, remember, that was his career high. Most people are going to be, um, you know, oh, Elliot, wasn't that so great? You got 19 points. I mean, I said a version of that in, in the post-game shows and, and yesterday. But Elliot's saying, sure, fine, whatever. But I also cost the team points by turning the ball over as much as I did. So I love that not only does that help get to the version of Elliot Cadeau that we want to see, but he's so keenly aware of it as well. Now, he's got to be careful not because he has a tendency to beat himself up too much. He's got to reel that back in and say, all right, look, it was a really strong game for me. Just this one thing that I got to that I got to pull back. So that's great. I loved, um, you know, looking at, at the question of how close do you think that version of him was? I loved his aggressiveness getting to the rim. It, it certainly helped that Miami was playing him a little bit closer so that he was able to blow, blow by. I mean, he's just got that speed and quickness where he can absolutely do that. I loved his willingness to shoot when the moment called for it. And not only that, but his capability to knock down a couple of his first two, you know, multi three point game of his career. Um, what's interesting is that Elliot Cadeau also talked about post game. Like, sure. He's super proud of making two, but his teammates were telling him they were proud of him for taking six because they need him to do that so that defenses have to guard everyone, not just, you know, like, oh, Elliot's not going to shoot. We can back off of him, whatever. So another thing that I love that helps get him towards the NCAA tournament version we need was his scrappiness on defense. Four steals for Elliot in this game, and yet still distributing the ball well in the midst of all that. Even when scoring a career high um, in points, he had an ACC career high in assists with those eight. And so what I saw from Elliot was him beginning to control, be the key factor in controlling games more and more and more lately. Um, one of the things I notice is, uh, remember down the stretch of Joel Berry's freshman year, Marcus Page's senior year, um, as, you know, um, Marcus started seeding some of the point guard control to to Joel so that Joel could run the show. Marcus could play the two guard. And I mean, that's a similar dynamic to what we see with Elliot. Now it's all this season. It's been Elliot the whole way. Right. And, um, and RJ playing mostly too, but it's like a similar dynamic where the young guy is the one running the show. And the older guy is the one that is, um, you know, able to play off the ball score more, um, capably without having to run the show all the time. So there is some of that dynamic that helps again, not the same players, obviously, but you, you get that same kind of, uh, version of the backcourt with the younger guy and the older guy. Um, now a key factor in this game, as we think about Elliot now taking what he did Saturday and going to Syracuse is this is like his performance Saturday, his performance tonight at Syracuse are going to be on the road. And so you got to think like, he'll be able to do that even better in a neutral court environment in the NCAA tournament where there will be more Carolina faithful on hand. So finally, ultimately to answer your question, self, Saturday's version of Elliot Cadeau, in my opinion, is good enough to win like a sweet 16, maybe elite eight level game. Again, minus a couple of those turnovers. One more, I mean, it's right on the cusp though of like Elliot 
Elliott, if he can find some consistency, how repeatable is this performance? That's the question. If so, what he did plus, you know, bringing out the turnovers is final four level. And then one more, and, and he's doing everything you needed him to do when you match it with everyone else. So the massive question is not only how repeatable is this performance, but if you can get this, you know, two out of three or three out of four performances, and then the outlier, the other one, be even 70% as good as what Saturday's performance was, you got to feel good about your chances because you've got the consistency of RJ and Armando and Harrison, three of your five starters. And then if you can get that consistency from both Elliot Cadeau and Cormac Ryan with his shooting, plus all the intangibles that Cormac has, you feel really, really good about this starting five. So th those are the wild cards for me right now are Elliot and Cormac. But if Elliot can be repeatable game in and game out from what he did Saturday, we're in a great, great place. So um, first time around against Syracuse, just as a reminder, Elliot Cadeau, six points, three assists, two turnovers, no threes, was 0 for 1 um, from the free throw line, two rebounds, a block, and critically, no fouls. So hopefully he can expand on that this time around. Now, Carolina had their winning streak snapped at Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago, and they've had trouble restarting a winning streak since then. The time is now. Plus, this is a big-time opportunity for Armando Baycott tonight. Plus, the rest of the Four Corners preview coming at you in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. North Carolina, the wait is almost over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Tar Heel State. This is great news. On March 11th, you'll finally be able to bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports. With FanDuel, there's a ton of different ways for you to get in on the action. You can bet on everything from the money line to over-unders to which team will win this year's Tobacco Road Rivalry Round 2, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, with live betting, you can even pick which player will put up the next bucket and the one after that and the one after that. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on so you can be the first to know when FanDuel goes live in North Carolina. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, as we get ready for Syracuse, it's time for the Four Corners preview where we look at four things that I think will have a critical impact on this game. Number one, it is time for the Tar Heels to build on success. Uh, find a way to put a winning streak back together. Remember, Carolina just had that 10-game winning streak and it was broken by Georgia Tech. So Carolina beat Florida State, lost to Georgia Tech, beat Duke, let's get on a winning streak, and then lost to Clemson. And then beat Miami Saturday. So that means that this game at Syracuse, again, the last big road trip of the year, is now an opportunity to put together a new winning streak, which is really interesting because we just talked about a couple episodes ago that this stretch of Miami, Syracuse, and then Virginia Tech on Saturday before you get finally kind of your break week is a critical three-game stretch. So why not let's turn that into a three-game winning streak? And again, that starts tonight at Syracuse. Putting back-to-back -back wins together on the road would be really important. By the way, I am realizing in real time, I think I said that 15-16 season 
Joel was a freshman and Marcus was a senior. Joel was a sophomore on that team. I apologize for not getting their classes right. It all runs together sometimes, but that's hitting me in real time. All right, number two in our four corners preview. It's Mondo time, baby. Armando Baycott. This needs to be a massive game for him. Right now, he's riding a streak of three straight double doubles. Guess what? That is tied for the longest streak he's had this entire season. Is that kind of wacky to think about? Armando has not strung together four double-doubles this season. The other time he did it was the stretch of Tennessee, Florida State, and UConn. Well, right now, he also has three. These last three games, Duke, Clemson, Miami. A fourth, then, would be his longest streak of this season, and there is no reason that that should not happen tonight. Last time... Carolina played Syracuse earlier this year. Armando was six of eight from the field and four of four from the free throw line, 16 points, 11 rebounds, a nice double-double. By the way, that was a game when he and Harrison Ingram both had double-doubles. Pretty crazy stuff there. But here's the thing. Frankly, that was not enough shot attempts for Armando. In a game against Syracuse, he needs to be in double-digit field goal attempts, especially when he's six of eight from the field. There's no reason he shouldn't be taking 12, maybe even 15 field goal attempts. Part of the reason for that is the same thing as as last time Carolina played Syracuse, although even more so now. Syracuse's front court depth was depleted. Now it's even more depleted. We'll talk about why in just a little bit. But Carolina has to take advantage of that in this game. Syracuse had nothing for Armando last time, and they won't this time either. This is their starting lineup. Judah Mintz, 6'4", J.J. Starling, 6'4", Taylor, 6'6", Bell, 6'7", and Malik Brown, 6'8". Yes, it's Malik Brown, their starting center at 6'8", that's going to try to shut down Armando. I mean, you got to be intentional to get him the ball. And so not only should Carolina take advantage, but they have to. So it's on Armando's four teammates and critically importantly, the guards, to get him the ball. It's also on Armando to not not let Syracuse junk it up inside. And if they do, it's on the guards to hit shots or find other ways to intentionally get Armando the ball. And then when he starts dominating, as he should do, and Syracuse does start pinching down, then he's got to be able to kick out, like recognize those, kick out, and the other guy's got to knock it down. And that's all four of them. Elliott, RJ, Harrison, Cormack, and then when reserves start coming in. So, should be a big-time game from Armando Baycott. We'll see what happens. Number three, bench production. The big question still remains. Now, again, will we see Seth Trimble in this game? That's the biggest question with the bench production. If we do see him, keep in mind he's been out now two games. So, if he does play, how long will he be able to go? What will his conditioning be? Think about how Seth Trimble plays. He's a guy where his entire game is predicated on his athleticism, his ability to lock down an opposing team's best perimeter player, his ability to get out in transition and slash and make physical plays. Will he be able to do that coming off his injury? If not, I don't know that it's worth uh, risking his health. But the problem is, these last two games that he's been out, we've had we've seen an opponent's guard have a big day, especially from three. That's Joe Girard when Carolina played Clemson, interestingly, as Carolina goes to Syracuse tonight. And then Nigel Pack from Miami before RJ did a great job shutting him down in the second half. The problem in this one is Judah Mintz or J.J. Starling. Either one could go off in this game. Uh, Mintz had 21 last time these two teams played. So there's that question. And then the other question of if we don't see Seth Trimble, 
Will it be Paxson Wojcik for the third straight game being the prime recipient of those minutes? Will we see more from Jalen Withers or Jalen Washington? I still really curious as to why Jalen Withers is not seeing more minutes played. Will we get some Zayden high? Um, and then the bench in totality, last game, the, the Miami game, one point from the entire bench. That was a Zayden high free throw. Now, the, the first game without Seth Trimble, the, the Heels were still able to score uh, 12 bench points, set, led by seven from, from Wojcik. But, but the Tar Heels are going to have to get more production from the bench with or without Seth Trimble. They cannot continue to just rely so solely on the starting five. Although you love that they're doing a great job, but it can't be just them. All right, number four in our Four Corners preview. Boy, do I hate to beat a dead horse here, but a dead horse I'm going to have to beat. Road turnovers, particularly in the first half. I mean, if Carolina can't stop doing it, I got to keep talking about it. So the last three road games have been two of the three highest turnover games of Carolina's season. The other highest being the Kentucky game when Carolina had 17. And critically, in these last four road games, that's that's when the issues have been, starting with Boston College, where Carolina has had first half turnover issues in particular. Uh, let me just run you back through the numbers. Against Boston College, nine in the first half. Florida State, 12 in the first half. Georgia Tech, 10 in the first half. Cut it down a little bit against Miami to seven in the first half. But here was the weird trend with Miami. Those first three games I mentioned, Heels did a great job in the second half of curtailing turnovers. Just two against Boston College, just five against Florida State, and just one in the second half against Georgia Tech. The problem against Miami is that Carolina committed more than they did in the first half, nine for a total of 16. So the Tar Heels, who, by the way, in the, the two road games before this, as they were playing um, Clemson and Duke, both of those games were very low turnovers, five against Duke, six against Clemson. Um, obviously still lost to Clemson, so that's not the end-all be-all. But Carolina has to protect the ball on the road. And the problem, part of the problem, is that Carolina turned it over 14 times the first time they played Syracuse, and that was at home. Typically, those numbers inflate when you're on the road. Thankfully, though, Syracuse turned it over even more at Carolina 17 times. So uh, the turnover battle could prove critical in winning this game for either team. Well, it is time to talk a little bit more about Syracuse that, as I said, is even more depleted than they initially were. And I want to get you the answer to today's Trivia Tuesday. And we'll do that in just a second, right after I tell you that this episode's brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits to LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed or power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, let's get prepped for North Carolina at Syracuse tonight, Tuesday, February 13th, 7 Eastern time on ESPN. No FanDuel line as of yet, but Ken Palm has it Carolina minus 
eight. Now, since the first meet, obviously we've already played Syracuse, the Tar Heels have, so we've gotten you ready for this team before. But since then, Syracuse has played eight games and they are exactly 500 in those eight games. Four wins at Pitt, at home against Miami, at home against NC State, and at home against Louisville. The losses at home to Florida State, at Boston College, at Wake Forest, and at home to Clemson. So a little bit of a mixed bag there for Syracuse. And so uh, really just kind of middling, you know, is where Syracuse has been lately. Of course, for the Tar Heels, they're two and two in their last four games. So uh, it's not necessarily like the Tar Heels have been all that terribly better. I mean, if you spread it out to eight games, sure, much, much better. But the last four, Carolina has been playing 500 basketball. As a reminder, in case you have forgotten, Jim Beheim is not on the sideline anymore for Syracuse. He's broadcasting with ESPN now. The new coach is Adrian Autry. Red Autry is his nickname, former Syracuse player, and so back back in the system doing it. Right now, Syracuse, as I record, is 90th in the net. That's obviously as of Monday's refresh. The net doesn't update uh, at the conclusion of each game as Ken Palm does. It's just every morning. And so this is going to be a quad two game. On the road, in order for it to be a quad one game, the team has to be ranked 75th or higher. Syracuse being 90th makes it a quad two. Similarly uh, rated at Ken Palm, they are 94th. The offensive efficiency is 148. The defensive efficiency is 53rd. And that's where Carolina could thrive is because obviously the Tar Heels defensive efficiency is elite, elite. They are sixth right now at Ken Palm, whereas Syracuse's offense is 148th. Not so great for the orange. Just a couple other things to know for you, a reminder that it's this backcourt that is very electric and exciting. One of my favorite backcourts in all of the ACC, Judah Mintz, who came back for his sophomore year, you know, could have gone and stayed in the draft. Don't know where he'd have gone, but uh, probably would have been drafted. And then JJ Starling, who transferred over from Notre Dame, was one of the first transfers I can remember committing somewhere. And both of these guys have some good size, as I mentioned earlier. Excuse me, they are both 6'4", and so RJ and Elliot are going to have to do some good work there, and that's part of why you're really hoping Seth is back ready and healthy to play. But I noted that Syracuse's front court depth has been even further depleted than it already was. That is because since Carolina last played Syracuse, Benny Williams has been dismissed from the team. He was Syracuse's sixth leading scorer, averaged 17 minutes per game. They've played twice without him now. And in those two games, Syracuse has only played seven players with that seventh player getting four minutes in one game and five minutes uh, in the other. So really Syracuse is only going with a six man rotation right now. And I also bring that up because in one of those two games, Judah Mintz played 40 minutes. And in the other game, JJ Starling played 40 minutes. And in fact, on Saturday in their game against Clemson, I believe it was that they played Saturday, four of the five starters played 36 or more minutes. So that means I know it's Carolina that's been traveling. Syracuse was at home Saturday. They're home again. But they are going to be playing on a little bit of some wearied legs as well. So Carolina, if they can utilize that depth, that's another part of why it's the, the bench production is so critical for the Tar Heels. The other thing with Benny Williams being dismissed is Now they only have really four forwards on their roster. And again, none of whom really have the size to contend with Armando. So we'll see how both he and Harrison are able to do in this matchup. Another reminder 
And this is funny because it didn't necessarily play out this way in the first meeting is that under Red Autry, Syracuse does not have a baseline zone defense. And the reason I say baseline is because they, they play man-to-man as their base defense, but they will go to, to zone occasionally. But in the first game, Carolina was just obliterating them so much that they utilized zone a lot throughout that game, much more than they have been throughout the season. So uh, kind of funnily enough, it's like they, they actually reverted to that. So we'll see what happens in this game. We expect more man-to-man, but if, if Carolina is doing work again, maybe Coach Autry switches back to that zone. All right, so that's Syracuse. We'll get ready for that. Again, 7 Eastern tonight on ESPN. Let's get to our Trivia Tuesday answer. Again, the question, what is the most points and rebounds and assists an individual Tar Heel has scored against Syracuse in one single game? This is not, I don't mean one Tar Heel that had the most combined of those three things, just three separate instances. So here you go. Any guesses on who any of these may be? Uh, another hint, I've already referred to one of them on the show, and even bigger hint, I classified him incorrectly. <laughs> so the most points ever scored against Syracuse by a Tar Heel, and the only 30-point game, by the way, against Syracuse, is Kobe White, who had 34 on February 26th of 2019. The most rebounds ever against Syracuse by a Tar Heel is Armando Baycott, who had 18 February 28th of 2022. He's also, by the way, Armando tied for the second most rebounds ever against Syracuse in a single game. And then finally, the most assists in a single game against Syracuse is none other than Joel Berry on April 2nd of 2016 in the Final Four when he was a sophomore, not a freshman. Goodness gracious, I'm so frustrated getting there. I don't like to get any detail wrong. It bothers me so much. Then I guess I probably shouldn't talk 30 minutes a day to all of you, right? Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Joel, most assists ever by a Tar Heel against Syracuse 10. What a great Final Four performance from him because 10 assists, just one turnover in that game. Phenomenal. You talk about uh, Elliot Kadobian ready. That's the kind of performance you need right there. Way to go, JB2. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. We'd love for you to come join us live after the game tonight for a live postcast where we break down this game, win or lose. We'd love to have you. Also, if you haven't joined the Locked on Tar Heels Discord community, love to have you there. Again, the link is in the show notes. Come for the Tar Heels, stay for the community. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so on audio and video. Smash the like button if you're watching so we know you are here. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk to you again tonight after the game. But until then, peace.